Well, good morning everyone. Um, it's good to be back. I'm just going to tidy up after the musician, so don't mind me while I just move a few things. Sorry, Jamie, in advance if I've done anything. There you go. Excuse yourself. No, no one wants that. Right, here we go. Right, good to see you all again. Uh, we've been away, my family and I, for a, a few weeks. We went to Somerset and that was great. Um, we had a really good time away. Isn't it good to be back and yeah. to just worship together and sing about the truths that we were singing about this morning? There's just such power in his yeah. name, isn't there, when we sing like that together. I've got lots of options here to put, like, put things. Right. Um, just if you are new, if you're visiting, uh, just introduce myself. My name is Ian. I am one of the elders at Hope Church. Uh, we believe that elders lead the local church, and it is my joy and pleasure to serve uh, in the eldership team. Um, if you've been coming over the summer, I hope you enjoyed the summer series. It's reasonable enthusiasm. That's not too bad. Um, my, my family and I have been looking through the book of Samuel as well whilst we've been away studying that. Um, if you have a family, children, I would encourage you to open the Word of God with your children. Um, it's really uh, important that we do that. Um, and just encourage you again to come to the family meeting on the 19th. That, that will be very exciting, I'm sure. Um, just a reminder, really, what we're looking at this morning. It, it is a reminder what we're looking at this morning. A reminder of who God is and what Jesus has done for us about all those things we were singing about this morning. Now we're looking at what is famously known as the Last Supper this morning. Um, oh, there's a everyone know that's not quite Leonardo da Vinci's, but that's the clearest pixelated picture I could find to go on the PowerPoint. Um, not a fan of art myself, so uh, I'm just going to go back to that as quickly as I can. Um, but it's a reminder this morning. I believe this morning is about a reminder and an invitation. A reminder of who God is and who we are, and an invitation to commune with God and with one another and to be part. We are invited to the table to be part of the mission of God. What is the mission of God? To go and make disciples of all nations. To see the gospel made known and many, many people come to know the living God. And uh, if you are new, we have been looking at the Gospel of Luke for just over three years now. And we are coming into the real point of all what history revolves around. Yeah. Uh, what we're looking at this morning um, is the night before Jesus' death on the cross. This is the, the, the point that we've all been leading up to. We've, we're going to finish, I think, on the 5th of December. That's going to be the last sermon on Luke. But we're leading, everything we've been reading up till now is leading to these points. Let's remember where we are in the book, um, in Luke. The last time we looked at Luke was back in the 18th of July. Anyone remember that? We were in Oak Hall, at Oak Hall, and Paul McCormack was uh, looking at and starting chapter 22. And we're, we're looking in the, as I've said, the last days of Jesus' life. We're entering into this main point of the story. Paul spoke last time about the plot to kill and betray Jesus. He talked about where Satan was entering Judas and the disciples preparing the Passover. 
And what we're looking at today in the, in the Lord's Supper, this communion, what we will partake in at the end, is a tangible reminder of what Jesus has done. We so often talk about Jesus, we listen about Jesus, we sing about Jesus, but when we do this, we are partaking in a physical reminder of what Jesus has done as we take the bread and eat it and we drink the wine. It's a physical reminder. Uh, we've seen in the previous passages that Luke, uh, Mark Paul looked at uh, back in July, where Jesus instructs Peter and John to go and prepare the Passover. He says, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. They're saying, well, where do we go? Jesus says, go into a city, you'll find a man carrying a jar of water, he'll meet you. And then basically, Peter and John go and prepare. Uh, and Jesus has this vision of what they'll come to and they find it. And he says, um, follow him to the house again to say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. That's Luke 22, 7 to 13. So that's where we've been. That's what's leading up to what we're looking at. And to understand this event, the significance of this event, of what is taking place here, particularly the meal uh, that the two disciples are preparing, we need to understand what they're doing and go back in history. So there, are a, there were three major religious festivals uh, in, or feasts that took part in every year in Judaism. They took place in Jerusalem. The first one was in around March or April, was the Passover, what we're looking at. The second one in May or June was the Pentecost, and in, around September or October time was the Feast of the ta Tabernacles. And Jews would come from all over the country, and surrounding nations often came in large numbers to these festivals. This was the kind of gathering point of their religion. These events, people really wanted to get to, and it was a big effort. Each festival had a particular theme, and the theme of the Passover was the Exodus, or the escape of the Israelites from Egypt. In the Old Testament, um, where they were enslaved in Egypt, working as in bondage as labourers for the Egyptian pharaoh. Do you know that story? Good, some of you did, that's good. And then they escape miraculously. It's this miraculous escape that they're celebrating in the feast of the Passover. Pentecost and Tabernacles celebrate other aspects of ancient Israel. And this is what they're doing, the disciples, as they're preparing this meal. They're remembering the Passover. When God passed over every Israelite household that had the blood of the Lamb painted on its doorposts. And I think it would just be helpful before we really dig into the Luke passages that we look at the original story in Exodus. And we're going to read from, I mean, that's dodgy, isn't it, really? The halo and everything. Anyway, let's move on. Um, we're going to go from Exodus 12. 6 to 14. So it says, Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. This is God speaking. And they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire 
along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boil it in water, but roast it over a fire with the head and legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So this is what the Jews would capture. They would capture these events in this feast. The first time it happened, what we've read about was the animal was sacrificed and the blood of it would be put on the doorframe as a sign of God's grace and protection for them from the judgment that was coming to Egypt. They would eat the lamb. We were like eating lamb. I ate some lamb last night. It was very nice. Um, and with bitter herbs, the bread made without yeast, and all the food in the Passover meal was significant. The lamb was the sacrificial animal. The herbs indicated the bitterness and suffering of their stay in Egypt. And the bread made without yeast by leaven, it was bread made in haste, in preparation for this quick departure. They were to eat with their shoes on, with their cloaks tucked into their belt, with sticks or staffs ready to go, because they had to escape the moment God called them. So this is a huge event in the life of Israel, and was remembered with devotion and appreciation at the Passover feast. So it's important to remember what they were doing, and how it ties in with what we're looking at today. How it ties in with the true lasting sacrifice, Jesus, the true Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So now we've got that background, let's look at Luke 22 from verse 14. If you have a physical Bible, I'd encourage you to open it and read along with me. Luke 22 from verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they'd eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. But the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be by who, be who was going to do this. 
So the, the 12 apostles are there with Jesus. They're reclining at a table. You may remember from a, a previous description um, earlier in Jesus' life that the Jewish tradition wasn't to sit on chairs, but at tables and recline on couches and kind of eat with one arm on their sides and to lean on one side and eat with the other. And Jesus sees this as a very significant event. I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He's predicting his suffering. He knows it's imminent. He probably knows within hours he's going to be betrayed, knowing what Judas is about to do. He's anticipating his death and he's preparing his disciples through his death. He keeps telling them about his suffering in the last few chapters. He's been leading up to this. He says, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. That means next year, next Passover, in a year's time, I won't be here. I'll have died. I'll have been raised and ascended. He says he'll eat it again when it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. And that's an interesting expression. The Jews believed that when the kingdom of God came in full power under the authority of God, the Father and the Messiah, the Son of God, then there would be this age of the Messiah, a messianic age, an age of peace on earth where conditions would change. Life would be lived according to the ways of God. God would rule through his Messiah from Jerusalem around the world. That was the kind of generic Jewish belief about the kingdom of God coming. And that's what people hoped Jesus would bring at this time. But of course, he's only started to bring the kingdom of God. And it will be his second coming that will bring this process to completion. This is really significant what we're looking at. So we're going into detail here so we can get a full understanding of what this is about. And Jesus associates this Passover meal with the kingdom of God in a fuller sense. One of the beliefs was that the Messiah would provide a feast, an ongoing feast of wonderful food. Sounds all right, doesn't it? And in the age of the Messiah, the kingdom will come in all its fullness. And we see this alluded to a number of times in the Gospels, for example, um, when Jesus speaks of the faith of the centurion in Matthew 8. He speaks of Gentiles coming into the kingdom. It says in Matthew 8, verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Notice there's that concept of a feast. Likewise, in Luke 14, Jesus is having a meal at the Pharisee's house. One of the guests makes this interesting statement. One of those at the table with him heard this and said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God in Luke 14. And this provokes Jesus to tell a story, a parable about the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus here with the disciples is basically saying he's shortly leaving this life and this earth and he won't be sharing Passovers like this with the disciples again. It's probably true that Jesus shared previous Passover meals with uh, others during his ministry with his disciples because John makes it clear that Jesus often came to the Passover meal. And in this meal, at this meal, Jesus here is taking the place of the Father in this meal, where it would take place in a big family setting. The, the Father will be the presider over the meal and the event. 
And Jesus here is doing that the way the Father would do it, and he would explain what happened in Egypt and what is happening with this meal. And as Jesus is there, they would expect him to say, this is the bread of our affliction, and our ancestors suffered in the wilderness so that we could be free. But instead, he takes the bread and breaking it, he says, this is my body given for you. This is the bread of my affliction to give you ultimate freedom. Freedom from sin and death itself. They think they're celebrating liberation from Egypt and slavery, celebrating the blood of the land that covered them and saved them. But Jesus has different ideas. And it's interesting that none of the Gospels mention that there is no lamb on the table. None of them mention about a lamb. There's no lamb. Where's the lamb? What sort of meal? Passover meal if there's no lamb on the table? Why is there no lamb on the table? Because the lamb was at the table. The lamb was at the table. Jesus was at the table. And he is becoming the lamb sacrificially. And all of history was pointing to this event. Even Moses knew there would be another to come, another lamb. And Jesus here is instituting a new covenant for God's people, a covenant in his blood. This is a significant moment. The new covenant has surpassed the old. And Jesus was looking back at where they'd been and what they had to do. And now he's looking forward to when he will meet and eat with his people again in the new heaven and the new earth. This is a great reminder of what we're going to partake in today, of what he has done as we physically eat and drink. It's an invitation to commune with God. Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting us to be part of his family. He's inviting us to accept his free gift of grace. He's saying to you who are far off, you who have rejected me, you can come to me. I am going to pour myself out as an offering once and for all. So you don't have to go to a priest to ask for forgiveness on a regular basis. You don't have to go to the temple to offer up your lamb. You believe in me. Give yourself to me. And those who believe in him will have rivers of living water flow from within them. Not only is he reminding us of what he's done so that you can know forgiveness, he's also in this reminding us who we are in Christ. We are forgiven sons and daughters of the Most High. You are free from the slavery of sin if you are in Christ here this morning. If you're a believer here today, remember who you are in Christ. You are called, you are forgiven, you are adopted and you are loved. This is an invitation to the table. You are invited into God's family. I don't know what your family history was like. You may have had good family history, you may have had bad family history, but you're invited into the family of God. As we do that today, we should remember that, remember who we are. Remember what we are. Lockdown has changed habits. It's changed a lot. But we must never forget that we are the body of Christ. We are called into his kingdom. We are a called people to make his name known 
outside of these walls. We are united in Christ. What we're doing with this meal as we partake in it, we are uniting in Christ and his mission. As we gathered again over these next few weeks and months, church may look different. There may be people that aren't here anymore, but we must remember that we are a people on mission. God has been shaping his church through this season. I really believe that. I believe God has spoken to me about it several times. He is shaping the church. And over these next few months, we need to be leaning into him as we lean out to the global mission that he has for us. We need to remember the call to make disciples of all nations and our neighbourhoods. We are to play our part in seeing disciples made, not just converts, we're not just interested in numbers, but disciples that are growing in their love and affection for Jesus. Our aim is to play our part in the Great Commission, to make disciples, to play our part here in Seven Oaks and beyond, to see churches planted, to help others plant churches, to support the work of people like Jeremy and Laura in Africa, they're in Kenya where there are unreached people groups. We're not just sponsoring a family here. You know, like the letter you get through the post once a month and have a nice picture of them. That's not what we're doing here. We're not just sponsoring them to get nice pictures every now and again. We are helping them live out the Great Commission to reach the unreached. And my desire for, for us as a people is that we will join, uh, for us as a people, we will join the church and we will love God more and be more passionate about him. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength. And what else? To love your neighbour as yourself. And imagine if the church in this country took those two commandments seriously. Irrespective of where you have been, of your past, you have a seat at the table. His grace is sufficient for you. No matter what you've done, where you've been, made a mess of things in the past, he has paid the price. His body was broken for you. It's not about how well you've performed up until this moment. If it was, I would not be here. It's the grace of God in my life. I was far from him and he brought me near. His blood was poured out so that you can be forgiven. So that you can follow those great commandments. So that we can grow in our affections for Jesus on a daily basis. We know him, we can meet with him and we then put him first. If you've really met him, you will put him first. So that we have that same heart as David in the Psalms, where he says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You could be feeling a bit dry right now. A little desert-like. But he wants to come and meet with you. I have a question for us today. 
Do you know that you have a desire to follow Christ and grow in your love and affection for Jesus? We're not after people just being better. We're not after morality here. But a heart that is wanting to know and commune with the creator of the universe whose body was broken for us so that we can be free from that which separated us from God. And that is what we're remembering today. That's what Jesus was instituting in this great meal. And let us be known as a church of people that really love Jesus. We're always talking about Jesus. We always bring it back to Jesus. And let God search you today. Are you following those two commandments? Are they embodying you? Are those things that are that which are most important? Not other issues. Not what has happened in the past. Not taking offence over minor issues, but wanting your affections to be stirred for Jesus and his kingdom. And we must remember this and all that he has done. Just before we do it as well, I think it's important to talk about as Paul does in Corinthians, about taking it in a worthy manner. And what does that mean? And this meal that we partake in should spur us on to remember the great price that was paid. And as we take this meal, when we partake in it, we should direct our minds back, back to Monday, Thursday, back to Good Friday, back to Easter Sunday. Our minds shouldn't drift and think of other things when we take this, this is a serious moment for us to remember and think of those things back to Jesus Christ, God incarnate, crucified on a cross and resurrected three days later. This is not passive, what we're going to do in a moment, but consciously moving our brain towards the historical reality of the fact that Jesus lived, had a body, had a heart that pumped blood, a skin and flesh that bled. He died publicly on a Roman cross in the place of sinners so that anyone who believes in him might be rescued from the wrath of God. And that happened once and for all in history. That's what we're remembering, a historical moment. Just like the Jews and Passover, remembering a moment in history. That's what we're doing today, remembering a moment in history when God became man and died for us all. If you do not believe this, if you have never repented and accepted Christ, you should not take this. In fact, as we do it, if you do not believe in Christ today, why don't you just consider what Jesus has done as we do that? Just observe and consider what Jesus has done. This is not exclusivity, because actually he wants to include you and you're invited. But if you don't believe in him today, then it's not, there's, not, there's no point in you taking it, because we're doing it as believers, remembering that Jesus died. Remembering that Jesus rose again. And if you're a believer, we shouldn't come to this without also examining ourselves. If we are in conflict with another Christian, 
If we are stuck in unrepentant sin, we should not partake in this, but instead come to Christ and seek his forgiveness and use this moment to do that. This bread is also a representation of unity. One body, many different parts, but us walking together forwards in unity for the sake of the kingdom. To see the gospel made known, to see the Great Commission worked out here in Hope Church. And when we come together as believers, partaking in this meal, we're reminded he has paid the price. He has won the victory. So let your heart be stirred. Be reminded of what he has done. You have a seat at the table. God is not looking for passengers in the kingdom. Not looking for those who just believe and then go about their everyday life. Just joining with all the other idols. Just ask them to move up a bit and join the rest of your idols. No, he's saying, I want you. I want your heart. And remember that salvation. Let the joy of your salvation start to rise up in you right now. Your sins have been forgiven. You can stand before a holy God one day, <laughs> forgiven and set free. Nothing because of what you have done, but because of what he has done. Yeah. Your sins have been forgiven. And we take the bread and we remember. Now, it's a bit different, you see, this morning. We've got them all in a row. So I'd encourage you to get your bread and wine. And I'm going to just tear this one loaf. Because it's symbolic that actually it comes from the same loaf. And actually all of your bread this morning has come from one loaf. This is his body. This is representing the body of Christ. Broken for us. His body was broken. For you and for me. So that all that come to him can know God, can walk with God. He who knew no sin became sin so that we, we could be the righteousness of God. And if you knew me 20 years ago, you'd say that would be ridiculous. Ian Lettington is not going to do that. But the grace of God and his work in my life has changed me from the inside out. He's given me a heart of flesh and removed a heart of stone. And if you do not know Christ this morning, he wants to do that in you. But first of all, we're going to take the bread. So can I encourage you, just to, in your rows, take some wine and bread. And we're going to pray together. There's some wine and there's some grape juice. I think grape juice is in the orangey coloured, pinky ones. As we take this bread, this is now not a time to discuss our week, to think about what's going on tomorrow, but it's to focus our minds 
on the body that was broken once for you. This is the great moment where you can pull your mask down because you can eat of the bread. Let's do that. Let's take the bread and remember he whose body was broken. again afresh as believers the joy of our salvation his body was broken for us so that we could become the righteousness of God he died so that we may live thank you Jesus that you were obedient even to death death on the cross thank you Lord for that Thank you for each and every one of us here who know you. And Lord, I pray, will you come and just let that rise up in us again this morning, the joy of our salvation. Thank you that you saved me, Lord. Thank you that I was far from you, but you have brought me near. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as we do this, as we take this physical reminder, Lord, let those who would not yet call themselves Christians, Lord, will you speak to them right now? Will you stir up their hearts? Let's take the wine now together. His blood poured out for us, washing us clean. As he gathered with his disciples, he says, now do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the wine. now as God's people remember that greater sacrifice of the true Passover lamb, the arrival of the new covenant. Just as the blood of the slaughtered lamb in Exodus offered protection from the plague of death, so now the blood of Jesus shelters his people from the consequences of their own sin and rejection of God. For all those who come to Christ, His blood covers us. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing sacrifice. Let that stir up in us today. Let it remind us today so that we know who we are in Christ and an invitation then to be your people, your hands and feet on this earth, to go and declare the good news. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that for my friends here this morning, that they will be stirred up to go and share the good news. Lord, let us be a church that is known as a people that love God, that love Jesus, 
And I pray, Father, for this next season ahead that we see many, many more enter into his kingdom. Amen. And I just want to give this opportunity right now. If you are here this morning and you don't yet know Christ, if you would not yet call yourself a Christian, you can come to him right now and just say a few words. It's very simple. Sorry, thank you, please. And if you want to give your life to Christ right now, then you can do that and just say these words after me. Lord, I am sorry that I turned my back on you. I'm sorry that I have rejected you up until this moment. I am sorry for my sin, which has separated me from you. Thank you that you died for me on the cross, taking my place, taking my sin. The wrath which I deserved was poured out on him. Now please come and take first place in my life and help me follow you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, will you come now and fill us afresh, embolden us, empower us for this season ahead, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for many, many to come to know you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to draw our service to a close there. Um, we have the joy of being able to have tea and coffee today outside, so why don't you stick around? There's even some nice blue chairs to sit on uh, out the back. Why don't we just now have that opportunity while we're talking about communing with one another. That's what we've been invited into. Amen. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.